You're listening to World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say. I hope it always will stay this way. Morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, the socialite, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. And as you know, I took a little bit of time off, had some great co or uh, folks who uh, took over my program a week ago, Andrea Vall and Phyllis Kerr, and wanted to thank them for that. And this time, you know, we're coming to you on a different day because, of course, we had Christmas Eve during my regular program. <laughs> How rude. And anyhow, we wanted to really make sure that I got my guest on because we tried several times and, you know, had some little technical difficulties. But this time, we know we're going to do it. So today, my guest is Mary Wright. Welcome, Mary. How are you today? I'm fine, Deb. Thank you so much for having me on. It's uh, very exciting. Great, great. Well, let me give uh, a quick little bio about Mary. Mary is the general counsel and a shareholder at Ogletree, Deacons, Nash, Smoke, and Stewart, PC, an international labor and employment boutique. She specializes in management side advice and counsel. She is also the editor of HR Gazette, which is a daily newspaper for HR professionals and employment lawyers. Um, so, you know, Welcome, Mary. This is great to have you, and we knew that third time would be the charm, and we would get you on this time. Absolutely. Absolutely. Great. And this is a great subject, too. I love the I love the intersection of human resources and employment law and social media. There's a lot happening in this area, and uh, there's so much to talk about. Well, and, you know, it's it's definitely one of those subjects that I know we're going to need more than an hour on. So we'll just take care of scheduling you some other point, you know, and, and make sure that we have you back. I think for me, what really started this subject off was a couple months ago when potential employers were not only just checking out people on uh, their various social media sites, they asked people for their passwords so that they could really see what was in there. And you talk about a firestorm that was created. You know, as as an employment lawyer, what did you think about that? And more importantly, as a, as a person who tells people what they can and cannot ask in an interview. It, there are so many facets to this problem. You attack one and another one pops up. Right. The only things I can think of right off the bat, first of all, as an advisor to employers, I have to make sure that my employers understand that there are currently 14 states that, and there may be more after the current round of elections, and there may be, or, or um, um, uh, round of voting that we had in the mm-hmm. fall, and there may be more taking place at the first of the year. Uh, there, but right now there are 14 states that, that prohibit employers from asking an employee for access to personal social media. And, and if anybody's interested and wants to you know, check up on whether their state is included in that list, um, they can go to the National Conference of State Legislators. It's on Google. Just Google National Conference of State Legislators, right. and they, will, uh, they keep a current list. It's 
changes moment to moment. But right. they were the law is pretty constant across the 14 states and those states that are contemplating um, uh, uh, prohibiting access. You just cannot ask for the password. You cannot coerce someone into giving you the password. You can't ask them to log on and show you what's there during an interview or during a performance evaluation. You simply don't have access to an individual's personal social media unless the employee voluntarily gives it to you. You can't right. ask for it. So. so maybe they've set their settings at public or you know whatever so that, that people can see that. Absolutely. And you'd be surprised at how many people... Well, you know, it takes a degree in engineering and uh, <laughs> philosophy to understand the privacy settings on Facebook. And and very often people think what is private is not private. It is public. And uh, very often employers go and look at, you know, at what's on a person's Facebook page. And, and you know, we could get into the recruiting angle. We could get into, you know, what you could look at and what you can't and what you should consider if you have access, mm-hmm. you know, legitimate access to Facebook right. or Facebook's really the big one. It's the sort of the cyber diary. Right. Uh, everybody, you know, everybody writes all about themselves on those uh, on those sites. So, and part of me says, you know, is is imp- it think it's, it thinks it's important to make sure that my employers know that they can't ask. And then the other side of me, I'm a trial lawyer, so I'm constantly looking for information about, you know, the <laughs> the, the the plaintiff in a lawsuit or uh, the witnesses. And believe me, if it's public, somebody like me will find it. Oh, right. You know, and, and I, I always tell people that the people who like Facebook the most are the lawyers. Um, you know, and, and that's, you know, and, and it really is something where, especially on Facebook, you know, on, on LinkedIn, somebody should be just professional. You know, you should always make sure that what you're posting there is professional, that your resume matches what your online is. And so, you know, we really don't want to talk too much about LinkedIn because hopefully everybody behaves. But Twitter and Facebook, I think, are probably the two problem areas because Sometimes people just don't even think that a potential employer will look there. And one of the first things that somebody does, now, you know, obviously depends on the job and the employer, but they Google somebody. You know, they they get your resume and they think, you know, looks like somebody we want to bring in. And so their first kind of preliminary interview is an online search. And, you know, upwards of 85% of the time this is happening. So what do they find when they Google somebody? And if you've got your Facebook page wide open, you know, you really want to be careful what you've posted there. And the employer, the, the hiring, the recruiter, the hiring manager, and the employer must be very careful about what they look at and what they use in the context of hiring someone right. or finding out about a current employee for purposes of promotion or transfer or a raise in pay because mm-hmm. very often people post things on Facebook or on Twitter that give away certain things that an employer cannot consider. And I'm sure many of your members of your audience, Deb, already know this, but, you know, you, could, you all the time you see announcements that when someone's pregnant, um, mm-hmm. they have their, uh, their pictures so you can tell what kind of, uh, whether they're a, a, a minority uh, potential employee right. candidate or religion, employee. religion mm-hmm. disability, you name it. It is all there. And, of course, those are things that the employer can't consider when making an employment decision of any kind, hiring, right. firing, anything. So how do you ensure that 
how can you prove that you didn't consider that if, in fact, you have looked at Facebook? Right. And, and yeah, you I can't think, unsee those things. <laughs> that's right. You certainly can't. So my biggest suggestion for those types of issues are to separate the decision maker from a neutral researcher, meaning if someone's going to go onto Facebook for you, I mean, if, you want to, if you want to look at Facebook for relevant information about someone's character or personality, which is all there, Mm-hmm. Um, then you would want to separate the decision maker on hiring, adverse employment decision, firing anything, right. and the person who actually has the first look at that Facebook mm-hmm. page. And they can scrub, if you, for want of a better word, uh, those kinds of things that the employer is not supposed to consider. They right. can report what's on there and redact or uh, omit those things that shouldn't mm-hmm. be considered. Yeah. You know, and, and it's one of those things where – you know, it, like I said, you know, you can't unsee it. So it's best to have somebody else look to start with. And there are there are now companies that will do that. They That's will right. do the search for somebody. You know, all those various things. And and we don't want to get into that detail, but you know, we can probably provide that offline if somebody's interested in that information. But the the tricky thing is, you know, maybe it's somebody who doesn't have the resources to to hire somebody, or they just don't know, Absolutely. and they're thinking, hey, you know, I'm I'm going to look at somebody's page. I was working with a young woman one time, and she was fairly young. She was in her early 20s, and we had a LinkedIn profile that was to die for, especially for somebody her age, because, you know, she doesn't have a lot of job experience, and we had her um, her volunteer experience, which directly pertained to her career path. We had absolutely fabulous recommendations, all these various things, and she was getting nothing. You know, we thought, what the heck? And so then I looked, at, you know, just to see what I could see on her Facebook page, which that generation really does have the anybody can see everything philosophy. So she had her set wide open and she had just gotten engaged and was gushing about it. Now, it was appropriate. You know, there wasn't anything there that would have caused a problem. But she mentioned numerous times in her Facebook posts that her fiance was going to take a job and they would be moving out of state. So... Nobody was even going to call her in for an interview based on that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and and was it discrimination? Eh, Probably not. I mean, you know, it was just one of those. But, you know, it was it was something where they thought, well, why would we even bother? So we went back in and and changed her LinkedIn profile to show that she'd be moving. And so she interviewed in places where she'd be moving to and and got a job that way. But, you know, yeah, people see things all the time and it it just really bothers me when somebody posts something on Facebook that really can be detrimental. And, you know, there's a big difference between that which we consider to be personal social media and that mm-hmm. which we consider professional so- social media. Right. I mean, you know, we can, we can talk a, a little bit at least about um, the cases that are coming down now and how the courts are interpreting an employer's right to ownership Mm-hmm. of social media when it's when the social media was conducted or engaged in by an employee at the direction of the employer and it was part of the uh, employee's right. mm-hmm. uh, job that's very different that that is something that the employer can demand uh access to to passwords and things like that uh there've been a couple of really big cases have have caught the media attention right now of course everyone knows about phone dog uh, mm-hmm. Kravitz versus Phone Dog. Mr. Kravitz had a huge Twitter following, and he named his uh, Twitter ha- his Twitter handle was uh, Phone de- uh, Phone Dog underline Noah, mm-hmm. 
and he 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 tweeted on behalf of the employer. Uh, he promoted the employer's services and products. He developed a 17,000 member follower list, which is uh, a huge number. And when he left, he wanted to take it with him. And right. the employer said, wait a minute, that's ours. Mm-hmm. Well, there were some problems with that argument. And, and uh, although the matter settled, I think we can read the tea leaves. The, the, the employer didn't have a written policy about mm-hmm. who owned it. Uh, they didn't specify in his contract or job description that it would belong to the company. This is an assignment just like creating any other type of memorandum right. or marketing efforts. And uh, there was no discussion whatsoever about the followers. Even if the account was somehow uh, part of the employer's property, there was no discussion of the employer's not settled. And Mr. Kravitz got to keep his Twitter handle and his, or excuse me, he changed it to Noah Kravitz. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. He no longer had phone dogs. But he, he got to keep his follower list. So mm-hmm. I think if you're really reading the tea leaves, I think the, the, uh, they saw they were going to lose on that issue and settle the case. Well, or, and I think... One of the most important things is, is you mentioned it very briefly in there, employers really should have a policy, you know, Absolutely. and, and whether it's, you know, I've, I've seen them from three paragraphs to 30 pages, you know, the 30 pages one, you know, no offense, the lawyers got a hold of yeah. <laughs> and, and, and the three paragraph one was, it was way too short. It basically said, you know, behave responsibly. Um, but you know, and, and that's something when you're applying for a job, if you're really active on social media, mm-hmm. ask what their policy is. Absolutely. Because they may tell you, you know, our written policy is that we, you, you have to, you know, give us access. If you're posting anything about the company, here's what you have to say. Or you can't ever post anything about the company. Um, you know, so really make sure that it, as part of your interview process, you know, you're asking what your benefits are. Also ask what the social media policy is. Well, some of the some of the things that you know, there's an awful lot written about um, social media. Uh, I mean, social media and ownership of social media right now. John Hyman, the Ohio uh, employment, uh, Ohio employer law blog, I think is the name of it, and <laughs> Eric Meyer, who's the employer handbook, have uh, have given us some tips. And and I've, uh, uh, I'm going to tell you what those are in just a second. But I've incorporated some of my own in there too. But you know, you should really, my, my biggest, my personal biggest one is that you should address the social media issue in your job description. Right. Uh, regardless of what your contract says, regardless of what it says in your handbook or any social media policy, if you're going to have someone tweet for the company or blog for the company, it should be in their job description mm-hmm. because that puts a stamp of ownership on it. Yep. And uh, you should own the domain site yourself. I'm talking about the employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, they should. It should be password protected, and and um, the employer should have a registry of passwords, just like they have in their electronic policy that says you can't put any password protected uh, material on the company's intranet system, unless, of course, we you give us a copy of the mm-hmm. of the passwords. So that should be incorporated into the into the policies and the job description. Um, well- and and as you said, it's just like, you know, other things that you're putting in there. I saw a story yesterday where the official person who was the poster for a company, now it was in London, if I remember right, she used, she was posting as the company and she used very bad language in talking mm-hmm. about someone, cost her her job right then. 
Um, mm-hmm. And my assumption is that it was in their policy that, you know, the, you will, this, this is not appropriate. Well, you have to be very careful because in the U.S. we have what's called the National Labor Relations Act mm-hmm. and the National Labor Relations Board. And under the National Labor Relations Act, under Section 7, it is an unfair labor practice for an employer, regardless of whether they, ha- they were unionized or not, to po- forbid or prohibit people from discussing, even negatively discussing, the terms and conditions of their employment as part of a concerted protected activity. Mm-hmm. And so, for instance, the original cases came out uh, under the NLRB uh, rulings talking about how somebody, you know, trashed their employer on Facebook and right. another person liked it or joined it from the company mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden it became a concerted activity. So when you are working on um, you know the NLRB issues, you should you should be aware that when you are crafting your um, when you're crafting your policy about social media, you want to be very specific about the types of things that you would consider illegal or improper. Right. Mm-hmm. For instance, you cannot uh, uh, discriminate or harass someone, that, you know, mm-hmm. in the uh, in your Facebook posting, you know, that sort of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. And because to do otherwise, to have sort of a generic prohibition against negative comment, um, is yeah. A, what's uh, negative to somebody? <laughs> well, it, I'll get into that in a second. But to have a generic. <laughs> policy of prohibiting negative or disparaging comments about the company or your coworkers is has been held mm-hmm. to chill the right of people to talk about the terms and conditions of their employment, protest them, and to engage in uh, concerted and protected activities. Mm-hmm. So, right. you know, that's just something I don't want to get into the NLRB and the EEOC and how they're having hysterics over social media right now. That's the subject of a whole nother hour-long discussion, but it is something when you're talking about your policies and procedures, you must keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. Well, and I remember this was probably well over a year ago, so, you know, things may very well have changed, but it was a Best Buy employee who on his personal Facebook page was talking about customers, and now he never mentioned them by name, which that was where it got a little tricky because he never mentioned them by name, but he described them and he described the interactions and he described, you know, that they were redneck and they had, you know, uh, fat slobs and dirty and, and all of this stuff. And at that point in time, so like I said, this was over a year ago, he lost his job because of that. That's different. You aren't talking about your own company and your own terms and conditions right. of employment. You are defaming and being yeah. ugly and negative about your employer's customers. Mm-hmm. And so long as you're not saying something like, and my company tolerates that and forces us to work with them, and, <laughs> right. and you know, mm-hmm. we get commissioned based upon, you know, I mean, if you're not tying it to your terms and conditions, then it could, it could probably be um, curbed, mm-hmm. even, right. under the NLR, uh, even under the NLRA. Right. So it, it yeah. is. It's, it's a very new and growing area of the law. Well, and of course, you know, what I just tell people is no matter what, always be professional. You know, don't don't be saying things like that on your personal page, your business page. And, you know, that hopefully eliminates most of the problem. But we all vent on occasion, you know, and, and you know, but people need to be aware of the fact that, you know, say you have your Facebook page wide open or hmm, maybe you have applied for a job with somebody you're actually Facebook friends with or friends of friends, you know, so they can access the page. I've had people go back and comment on posts that I wrote two years ago. 
So, you know, it's not just that, gee, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, this great person now. Did I post things about the election that were bad? Did I post things about a former employer several years ago? Go back through your Facebook page and delete those things. You know, just mm-hmm. don't have them there any longer. And, and remember that it can take up to, I think, um, it's about it 18 take, months. Yeah, it can take several, it can take a couple of weeks for, uh, materials to be, um, put into deep storage on Facebook. And mm-hmm. so you can get, you know, if you have a, a dedicated researcher, somebody who's really after it, uh, they can get it for at least seven to 10 days, I believe. Right. Mm-hmm. So you even know, and, and yeah, there's, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I think people, you know, they, as I said, we do vent and we think, oh, they're not going to look back two years ago or, or whatever. Um, Twitter, especially, boy, we've seen a lot with Twitter where, you know, there's really nothing that's considered private on Twitter and you can go back and you can public. get that from a long time ago. <laughs> as long as you know someone's Twitter right. handle, you mm-hmm. can go back to, I believe, no, I have never done this. But I believe that you can go back to the beginning of time. You just go to their page. I think you and you just scrolling keep scrolling back. down until you hit their first tweet. Right. You know, and, and it was funny. I saw an example one time of someone who had applied for a C level position. So, you know, very high level position, six figures starting with a pretty big number in in his salary. He'd applied for the position. He had a LinkedIn profile that was perfect. You know, he posted, he had, you know, everything on there was something that a potential employer would love. He had a lot of uh, clear knowledge about his industry, was posting links to articles, you know, yada, yada, yada. He even had a Facebook page that was good. Mm-hmm. You know, he and this was his personal page, not a, a a business page. But, you know, he had connected with great industry people. And, you know, he was showing on his personal page his commitment to the community through volunteer work, you know, and all these things. So they made him an offer. And then they went to his Twitter page. And for some unknown reason, he was like a split personality on his Twitter page. And he was talking about how he hated his current employer so much he was stealing from them. Oh, my gosh. Now, it was, you know, it was things like paper, pencils. You know, but anyhow, if you'd steal paper and pencils, the thought process is, well, you'd steal millions of dollars. Um, and so, of course, not only did they rescind their offer, they notified his current employer. And it was funny because, you know, I think that gets into the fact that people think, well, you know, here I can be one thing and here I can be something else. And it's just always best to keep in mind, you know, wherever you are, be professional. If somebody were to see it, and it's funny, um, uh, Mary wrote an article that's, it's a great article and it's on both HR Gazette and my website, uh, that, that pertains to this. And I talk about the fact that, you know, if you don't want your mother, your grandmother, your rabbi, whoever to, to see those posts, and Mary points out if you don't want a jury to see those posts, that's just right. don't post them. That's right. If you don't want, we, in the, as a trial lawyer, you have three tests. You have the mother test. If you don't, if, if you wouldn't, if you wouldn't want your mother to see it, or if you would hate it if someone said that or did that to your mother, mm-hmm. th- then you shouldn't be posting it. Right. You should, if you wouldn't want to see it above the fold on your local newspaper front page, or if you wouldn't want it blown up three by five in front of a jury, you certainly don't want to post it on Facebook. Right. You know, and, and I think probably one of the problems with Facebook is that we connect with, and I'm doing this in, in quotes, your friends. You know, whether it's somebody that you've known since you were in kindergarten or just, you know, some random person that you friend, depending on what your personal preference is. 
it's it, to me, Facebook turns us all into eighth graders. We are who we associate with. So well, you might have true. a presence, but you know, what are your friends posting about? And so if your employer or a potential employer sees that, what are they going to think? You know, maybe you've got this great profile, but your friends are talking about their weekend binge drinking and you know, all, you know, then the, the, the concept is, well, if their friends are like that, eh, they might be too. So hmm, I'm just going to go on to the next candidate. And I'm, I'm waiting for the other shoe to drop on that issue. And that is that we have a freedom of association in this country mm-hmm. as long as the conduct is not illegal and right. if there's the freedom to associate with whomever you please. Can you make a negative employment decision based on that? I feel certain that you can. I think that you can say, hmm, I'm not going to take a risk on somebody who publishes on Facebook that they, mm-hmm. you know, that they binge drink or that right. they can mm-hmm. hang out with friends who binge drink or whatever. But I'm waiting for the day in which uh, those wall posts of your friends can't be held against you because mm-hmm. you have the right to associate with anyone who's not engaging in, you know, illegal conduct. So, um and they could just be posting to be funny. I mean, you know, that's the, the trick is people don't know the context, especially on Facebook. Are they sarcastic? Are they funny? Are they, you know, are wanting to be devil's advocate? Yeah. Are they know? fake? So yeah. many times you see things on there that uh, I think there was there was the famous uh, instances. Somebody, some relatively maybe 20-something, 30-something uh, fellow posted on his webpage that he was you know, striking up, a, I think they've used the word doobie, um, with their 12-year-old, mm-hmm. you know, on his Facebook page. And it turns out that the 12-year-old had snuck onto his dad's Facebook right. page and that posted this as a big joke. And it went viral. Mm-hmm. And, uh, it, that it, of course, he could explain it. And and you hope that that never happens to you, but it, it right. does. You know, the whole notion of, what is personal and what is professional has gotten a very sloppy line. Mm-hmm. A very gray area is developing uh, on Facebook and some of our other uh, social media outlets like Twitter. Because we, our pers- what we're trying to do is we're trying to display our personality. We want people to get to know us because you'd rather do business with friends. You'd rather have a connection with people in your industry rather than, you know, just post sort of dry uh, uh, information about your particular industry. You want the people that are the thought leaders and the the posters in your industry to like you and Mm -hmm. to want to hang out with you in cyberspace. So people are inclined to put put more personal things in there than they normally would tell a business acquaintance just face-to-face. And that's, that can be dangerous. And we are sort of blending the line between what is personal and what is professional. Right. You know, and, and when people tell me, gee, I only use Facebook for my personal use, I tell them, you know, that's great. I mean, obviously you use any of these platforms however you want. But I tell them, you know, are you then, though, assuming that no one you're connected with could either be a potential employer, a potential client, you know, a potential reference? You know, are you posting things there that's going to make somebody think, ah, not so much? Um, you know, I hateful, hateful racist speech, hate, oh. hate speech, uh, negative comments about mm-hmm. other people, all of that stuff. It is um, people repost, right? People uh, share, and it is uh, it's very dangerous. 
Well, and the, you know, the tricky thing comes in, you know, like I said, you don't know the context. Um, you know, this last election, now I didn't hide anybody. I didn't block anybody. I didn't unfriend anybody, but there were some people on, on both political sides, you know, it was, you know, that, that posted some things. And there are actually some people who posted some things that were so filled with hatred that they, they are business associates. You know, they're not personal friends or business associates. But I would now not refer business to them because I wouldn't put my personal reputation on the line. Absolutely. You know, and, and I think that's what people forget is they think, gee, you know, this is a great platform for me to post whatever it is. And, and then they forget the ramifications of who could be seeing that and what, you know, what they're going to take away from it. Well, that's another bright line, especially in California, that people have to be very careful of because uh, posting, typically off-duty posting, mm-hmm. um, you can't make an adverse employment decision uh, uh, based on someone's legal off-duty conduct. Right. Uh, and, and in particular, their political conduct, and mm-hmm. the specific code of the, of the section of the labor code. And so although as vendors and, re- and referral sources, we are free to make referrals and choose to choose to retain the services of another vendor, you know, on whatever whatever we want, uh, to a certain extent. Um, employers must be very careful about that and making a decision based on someone's, you know, what we might consider hateful speech about the current president or past president, depending on which party you're you're mm-hmm, in. Right. We have to be very careful about that as employers because that could that could be an illegal criteria for making an adverse mm-hmm. employment decision. So, well, you know. and of course, what would happen is they probably had some other reason. So they would say, okay, well, this was why we were firing you and never mention it. But, you know, just don't give them that to start with. You know, and, and going back for a second to, you know, to um, uh, who owns the the material that's developed on Facebook, like the Kravitz right. case or the, the Eagle case. That's uh, one where a woman, and this is LinkedIn because we're talking about personal and professional mm-hmm. uh, material. Um, Eagle had a, this is a woman, she had a, a, a LinkedIn page and she gave her password to other people within the company because she was a, a senior executive and okay. someone else helped her maintain it, which is a good thing. Um, and she amassed a significant number of personal contacts. Mm-hmm. And so when she left, they locked her out of her own LinkedIn account. Ooh. And she took it to court, and they, they, some things were, were uh, held that she, could not, she couldn't set a claim against theft, for example, uh, against the company for theft. Um, they, they dismissed some of her claims, but she was allowed to uh, proceed in her state court claims for misappropriation of her likeness, her information and her contact list. So mm. we're going to wait and see how that turns out. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure exactly whether what pro, what stage of the lawsuit they're in, but that's a an important thing to remember, right? Because the contact list is very very important. I mean, right, especially if that's your you know maybe you're in sales and that's your your list of people that you're calling on to make sales calls. Mm-hmm. Yes, you know, and and heaven forbid you go work for a competitor. Absolutely, and that is. Uh, <laughs> That is the that's the real problem because ju- 
most of all, a significant amount of employee mobility litigation. That's employees moving from one employer to another. A significant component of employee mobility litigation focuses around the customer list and customer information. Right. And so this is just the cyber version of the same old song. Mm-hmm. And who owns it? Uh, in, in a, if, you're, if you're looking at your Rolodex on your desk or the Outlook mailbox in your company computer, then it's much clearer that that belongs to the employer because the employer has provided you with the mechanism of gathering that information mm-hmm. and storing that information. And, but if you have an outside social media platform where you gather email addresses for a newsletter or um, you know, just where you gather information about contact information and lead generating information, then employers need to come in at the very beginning of that relationship and, like I said before, put it in the job description. Mm-hmm. It should be mentioned in, in any kind of employment discussion that you have with a person. You said that, uh, that it should be, you should see their social media policy. Absolutely. If you're a blogger, you should find out what the, person, what the company's social media policy is before you, you sign up because it may be something you don't want to sign up for. Mm-hmm. Right. Try it. it allows people to self-select. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then if people, but what happens if people are already blogging and you're just waking up to the fact that, oh my gosh, I have employees that are branding themselves and developing, you know, networks and mailing lists and contacts. What do I do about them? Well, there's not a lot you can do if you don't have anything in writing that, that, um, uh, predates the event. You can, mm-hmm. however, you can, however, enforce your productivity policies. Mm-hmm. Your um, uh, uh, the you know the time spent at company policy, right. you know, mm-hmm. on the company property, and mm-hmm. using resources and things like that. So you would force that person uh, to work offline and out of the the office right. on mm-hmm. these types of projects. Cool. So it's it it is. Um, it's a developing area of the law. It is. Well, we're going to go ahead and, and take a quick break. We're at the bottom of the hour. And when we come back, I want to, one of the things I want to talk about is if you're using a business computer to do your Facebook posts, mm-hmm. is there a difference between using that and using your home uh, computers? And then what if they do <laughs> ask? You know, we want to see what the, the posts are, all those various things. In, say, a job interview, um, you your article that you uh, wrote really has some good responses to that. And I want to get into, you know, how people can deal with that in a polite way. You know, you, you just don't want to wag your fingers and say, you can't ask me that. You know, how yeah. do you do it in a way that doesn't automatically cost you the job? So let's talk about that when we come back from the break. Okay, great. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back Listening to Mile High Radio, milehighradio.com on the World Wide Web for your listening pleasure. 
Hi, I'm Dr. Clint Dickinson of Dickinson Chiropractic. Have you ever wondered why families go to chiropractors? Well, I'm here to give you a little testimonial from a family in my office. They came in for neck pain and uh, hip pain, and they've noticed that their overall health has dramatically improved. Their family has been 19 months free of illnesses of any kind. Their three young girls have not been sick since November of 2009. They have not missed school due to colds, flu, or anything. If you'd like to take advantage of that and get your family well, give my office a call at 303 303- 688-2300-303-688-2300. According to a recent study, 85% of consumers do their shopping within five miles of home. At Echo Pages, we publish community phone books that take those buying patterns seriously. For just a fraction of what the big phone book charges, you can get a great ad that targets your potential customers without the waste. Call Echo Pages today at 303-805-7344 and let your voice be heard again and again. And we are back. I am Deb Creer, the socialite, and I'm passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use social media as a tool to promote themselves and their businesses. But today we're kind of deviating a bit. Maybe it's the self-promotion thing, you know, that, that we're, we're actually going into. But we're talking with Mary Wright, who is an employment lawyer who hmm, I met on Facebook, I believe. I don't even think it was LinkedIn. I think it was Facebook. So, you know, you never know where these great contacts will come from. But we're talking about, you know, what happens when you, you know, you've posted things you shouldn't have or, you know, all those various things. And when your employer or a potential employer wants to see it. So welcome back, Mary. Well, thank you. And, Deb, I remember very well how I met you. You gave an amazing program on um, a webinar on uh, rainmaking through social media. And uh, I remember it very well. It was, it was through Wise Women Communications, I believe. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it must have been about two years ago. And ever since then, we have uh, been communicating through the Internet and have never met face-to-face. But I, I know. that will change at some point in our lives. Well, and... Um, this is actually a three time zone program because I'm in Atlanta. The radio station is in Denver and Mary is in San Francisco. So this is, you know, this really does go to show the power of how social media can connect people. It's, it is amazing. I believe that we are so ingrained now of texting and, you know, disclosing everything on social media, watching everything through, you know, we watch streaming and video and we self promote and we sell ourselves and our business and everything. You know, I I believe that we are. Uh, I, I, I of course I'm not a scientist, and this is completely crazy, but it's almost changing our DNA. I it mean, is. Mm-hmm. our social DNA, if nothing else. We we are forever changed because of the internet, and I know that seems like a vast understatement, but employment law certainly changed. I remember back in 1999. Uh, I wrote an article for Matthew Bender. It's a labor law reporter. I think it was the first article in the first uh, uh, um, uh, book of Mm -hmm. Matthew Bender's labor law reporter, and it was on the employer's right to monitor email. (laughs) And and then I wrote one called uh, 
uh, on jurisdiction and uh, and the internet. Meaning, if your business exists in cyberspace, where do you get sued? Mm-hmm. Right. You know. And so this has been a, a subject that I have been following and pat and to mirror your own uh, belief, very passionate about for well over a decade now. I've mm-hmm. seen this uh, coming down the tracks at employers for a long time. Well, and it's funny because, as you said, it's everywhere. You know, I when I'm early for an appointment, I'm on my phone and mm-hmm. I'm checking in on Facebook. And, you know, all of those various things, I'm, I'm checking, you know, before I meet somebody for the first time, I look at their LinkedIn profile, you know, and, and you know, I research businesses on Facebook before I, I go and stay in a hotel unless there's, unless yeah. there's what, a wireless connection or, right. you know, it influences just about, it influences a great deal of what mm-hmm. I do and the choices I make every day and well, how and I fill my free time. Yeah, you know, and it's funny when I see people who take uh, vacations and they say they're not going to be connected, I'm thinking, <laughs> uh, liar, liar, liar. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I, it would be difficult for me to do that, you know, just because, as you said, it's part of our DNA now. You know, we're checking all of those things. When I, we went and, and saw the movie Lincoln, and, you know, when I turned my phone off for those, what, two and a half hours, now I'm a good kid. I'm not ever going to, you know, do any of that stuff during a movie, but there was this little part of me thinking, Something could happen. Something <laughs> could happen in the in the cyber world. I know, I know. It's a, uh, it is, um, it's quite a uh, a habit to break. I when I go on vacation now, um, I send a bounce back message to all my email and 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 uh, uh, you know communications that I'll check my email twice a day, and I really stick to that. And, oh, and are you it's there? Did we lose before you? my oh, kids are awake mm-hmm. in the morning, so um, right. I try to do that. It's right. It's, it invades us. Well, and, you know, we're so used to social media that when we're at work, we, you know, now obviously there are computer programs that can completely block somebody or, you know, they, they tell people you can't access Facebook, all of those things. And, you know, but people are going to get around it. I love the, the companies that say you can't access Facebook. Okay, well, I'm just going to take my little smartphone into the restroom and check it there. I <laughs> you know, um, could have it running propped up next to the computer. Yeah, you know, you know, and and or you know, people that that use LinkedIn in you know in lieu of being able to do Facebook, you know, all of those various things. Mm-hmm. But that leads me to my question that I asked right before the break: What if I'm using Facebook? You know, I'm I'm accessing Facebook on my employer's computer. What rights do they then have to say, okay, we want to see what you've just posted? Well, you know, it used to be that anything that flowed through the computer, you know, I used to, when we when we did the, back in the day when I did live sexual harassment training, mm-hmm. I used to take a, a cord in, a, a, an electric, electric cord in with me, and I would say, you know, this is the hookup to your computer. It's owned by your company, mm-hmm. and everything that flows through it belongs to the company. So if you're looking at porn on the internet, they can tell, you know. So beware that just when you when you feel tempted to punch that button on and 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 find those sites, that everything is being trapped and you know that we talked about have a whole discussion of cookies and traffic and stuff like that, and that is slowly changing. There um, there are uh, privacy mechanisms put it on Facebook that um, uh, prevent anyone from going into your Facebook page and here's the deal when you when you have when an employer wishes to look at something 
that belongs to the employee. The employer has the employer uh, the employee may have a, what's called a reasonable expectation of privacy mm-hmm. in in the item, the desk drawer, the purse, the trunk of the car, the Facebook page. And if the employee has taken steps to prevent access by you know, signing up for all of the, say, the privacy mechanisms on Facebook, mm-hmm. it is, there, there, are, there are cases coming out on both sides of the equation that say, yes, the employer can look at whatever flows through its, its, you know, its uh, own system, and therefore if it has the mechanism or the programs to capture that information, then they should be allowed to look at it because an employee should be, as long as they're warned and uh, there's something right up front that says in the handbook or in the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the policy that says, you know, if you look at Facebook, it, the cookies get captured and the posts, you know, we, we have, um, we might be able to see those things because we have a program that monitors mm-hmm. your productivity or, you know, for some valid business reason, we might be able to see what's being posted. Now, um, there are cases that flow from the private email address area. Right. You know, it used to be where people said anything that was you did on your work computer belonged to your employer, and they could read right. it. And now the cases are coming out and saying, "Well, you know, what if you have a email account?" Or yeah, now what are those private email messages? Not so much because you have a re- very reasonable expectation of privacy. It's just like the mail; people treat it just like the mail. If something came into you and in from into your office and it was addressed to that person, it was marked personal, you would not be able to open it. And the mm-hmm. same is true for online email addresses that are, um, you know, the employer, even if you're doing it, you're, you're accessing your Yahoo or Google account, right. uh, Gmail account uh, on your office computer. It is, it's a problem. I mean, the, the law is still unsettled in this area. Mm-hmm. Um, I would suggest that an employer, and this is my legal caveat to all those that are listening, before you take my advice or the advice of anyone that who gives you uh, information over the internet, you should connect with your lawyer, in-house counsel or outside employment right. lawyer, because nothing takes the place of a lawyer who knows you, mm-hmm. and knows your business, and most importantly, the laws of the state in which you do business. Definitely. That's my disclaimer. So you know, but but that area is changing, and. Um, the one thing that I well, you and I wrote an article about it, and this is yeah. about what do you do when somebody asks you. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're in one of the 14 states where it's illegal, what do you do? Right. How do you respond? Because everybody wants to see it. Well, How and do you respond? You know, it's it's not you know a lot of people know like especially during a hiring process, you know mm-hmm. the HR person may know that they can't ask that, but you know then you're further down the the line and you're talking to a direct report or maybe you know the peers and and all those people, they don't understand that they can't ask those things. Well, what happens? And this is something that happens frequently uh, that I've seen. You you have a hiring manager, and then you have the supervisors who are going to interview. Then you're going to have a peer interview. Right. That peer then walks to his office and says, oh, I'm going to look this person up, and, hey, I'm going to friend them or I'm going to link mm-hmm. up with them. And, and they don't think anything of it because to them, that's the way they network. Right. That is the way they network. Even if that person doesn't come to work for you, that's still a valuable person for you to know. Mm-hmm. And peers do that. And as a result, all of a sudden that person's being asked, how do you, how do you say no without offending the, the person who could possibly mm-hmm. give you a job? Right. You really don't want to make them 
Well, we came up with some, I thought we came up with some good answers. We did. No. You know, and, and it's funny, you know, it, when this issue first came up about asking for passwords, my immediate reaction was, well, you know, if they can ask you to take a drug test and all those various things, why not? And then I thought, nah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, and and the, one of the important things to note, this isn't something that you should you know, wag your finger in and say, it's against Facebook's terms of service to give somebody else your password. But, you know, there's there's much better ways. And, and as you just mentioned, you know, in your article, you've got some great ways to be able to tell somebody, you know, you really can't ask that, but to, to do, do it in a different way. And so, you know, one of the things was to say, I'm not connected with people who are you. I'm just connected with people who are my friends. So it really wouldn't be beneficial for you to see what I have on Facebook. Right. I'm just going to be talking about, you know, the latest cat video I have or, you know, how much I like woodworking or something like that. But, you know, um, if people want to see the article, it's on HR Gazette and it's also on your uh, website. Um, just debcareer.com. <laughs> Thank you very much. And it's called How to Respond to Inappropriate Requests for Access to Personal Social Media right. Without Jeopardizing Your Job or a Job mm-hmm. Opportunity. And, and I think, Deb, you've, you've uh, tagged it as, you know, give me your password. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and what you want to do is you want to uh, – we, we came up with three or four different ways to do it. The first one was that my page is private and password protected. I don't share my contents with anyone who isn't connected – to me as a friend on Facebook. And and all of these things are meant to reinforce the employee's understanding, the, reinforce the employee's uh, reasonable expectations of privacy. Right. Meaning they're informing their employer that this is private and without saying, you know, what you're asking me is against the law. Um, when I set it up, I made the decision that it would be entirely personal. My family and friends depend upon me to keep it mm-hmm. private. That's sort of like telling your employer, well, I always keep my secrets. See what a good corporate citizen I would be. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't share my Facebook information with anyone, the one that you you mentioned earlier. Um, And then uh, then what I like the best is, well, I don't share my Facebook information, but I have a great Twitter account or I have a great Mm -hmm. LinkedIn or About Me page or, Mm -hmm. you know, something that you can point. You know, one of the problems with not being able to give them social media is – the frustrated uh, right. expectations of the interviewer. So you want to the give them something you say immediately. You can't have go. that. They want to see it. What have you got right. there? <laughs> right. So you want to give them something they can see. Right. Mm-hmm. And that they can and, share with other people. And you can mm-hmm. definitely have a, a business page on Facebook that has kind of your more public persona. Um, now, you know, back to Facebook's rules, you can't have two personal pages. They, right. you know, they frown on that and if they find out they delete them both. So have a business page and that's where you're connecting with industry peers. You're posting articles that are pertinent to your industry, all of those things. So that is something that they can see. Yes. You're going to, po- you're going to post a page or a, mm-hmm. uh, what's it called? The, your personal site is one thing, but the business site is called something else. Is it, is it a it's page? It's just a page. Mm-hmm. It's just yeah. a page. And, um, and that's where people can subscribe as opposed to like or friend. Right. And mm-hmm. it's, it's, um, it's a good thing. I mean, it's, it is a way around this problem. Right. But well, you really and have to post stuff on it to make it, to make it seem legitimate. Yeah. yeah. 
You know, and, and you should be posting the same stuff there that you're posting on LinkedIn, you know, so like I said, industry articles, all those various things. So that way they, they can see that you're there, but that you're keeping things personal. Now it gets a little tricky. You know, I couldn't really tell a potential employer, gee, I'm, I'm only connected with my personal friends because I'm connected with almost 2000 people. Oh that kind of goes past the realm of believability. Right. <laughs> I don't know, um, Deb. You're a pretty friendly person. Yeah, you know, I try. But, but you know, th- that is something to keep in mind is if somebody looks at your page and says, well, we see you're connected with over 500, then, you know, that you might be kind of losing that, that kind of edge. Um, you know, you, one of the, the things that you also talked about in the article was to say that you don't, you know, that, that is just your personal page and you don't connect with coworkers. Well, you better make sure you haven't connected with coworkers. <laughs> oh, absolutely. The one thing you can't do is lie about something. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't say, um, you know, I don't talk, I don't, I don't uh, connect with anyone from Facebook, and I don't say anything about my employer on Facebook. Now, remember, they can't ask you to refrain from discussing right. your employer because that's the NLRB that I was talking about, mm-hmm. or the NLRA. But the, but you can offer that information voluntarily and say, you know. You wouldn't be interested. I don't talk about my work. Mm-hmm. I don't talk. I wouldn't talk about this job. I don't talk about my old job. It is the way I keep in touch with friends and family only. So, well, you know, it just depends on whether or not you, that's true. It has to be yeah. true. And, yeah, always, always, always make it true, just like you shouldn't lie in your resume. You know, your LinkedIn profile oh. has to be correct, all of those things. One of the things that I have seen happen as as kind of a, a trend, and I've actually had it happen personally twice, is somebody has contacted me, a potential employer has contacted me about someone they are interviewing, and they have said, hey, we see that you're friends with them. Tell us about them. And, you know, because my profile is a little bit more open, because obviously I, I want to connect with more people to, to be able to do what I do. So it's got my phone number and email address and things like that. And the first one, um, that they were interviewing somebody, and it was a uh, a uh, family member of mine and she had been posting things i hate my job i hate my job i'm doing this i'm doing that things that she just shouldn't have been posting and so you know this potential employer said you know we see that you're her facebook friend what has she been posting and i simply said you know she is a family member and it would not be appropriate for me to comment because i don't know the context of her posts I said, you know, it just wouldn't be appropriate. And then I had another time where someone had applied to be a presenter at a very large conference. Now, her page was absolutely perfect. Um, you know, there would never be anything that somebody would, would say. And so, I, you know, I, without talking about her posts, I did say, you know, she is very professional. She, you know, all these various things. But that's something people need to keep in mind is, you know, there are people out there who are, kind of mining this information and going to the third parties because you know when you give a reference well hopefully they are going to say something good about you so a potential employer wants to find somebody else that might not say something as good right and and talk about data mining i mean not only do people use it in terms of recruiting and and uh they want to make sure that there isn't anybody out uh, employers need to make sure i'm talking about i put my trial lawyer hat now employment <laughs> lawyer trial lawyer hat employers need to be very certain that um, uh, they don't have any connection to their employees facebook page they mm-hmm. don't want to run their employees facebook page they don't want 
uh, unless it's a company page run specifically by the company, you don't want access and you don't want to have control over that page because you could learn of things that are, you know, that are, um, that could be used against you later in court. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could, uh, negligent hiring, uh, failure to terminate someone who was clearly, you know, violent or um, engaged in hate crimes or things right. like that. You mm-hmm. really, hopefully you don't have anyone like that in your employee, but unfortunately we're surprised every day at, at the mm-hmm. things people post on their their Facebook page. Right. And and it does come back to what we were saying before, context. You know, somebody might be posting it just because they thought it was funny or they shared the link or they liked that page. You know, I've seen it now used against people where they liked a certain page. I mean, oh, that must mean that that's really, no, I just accidentally clicked the like button. <laughs> or I liked the, the cute little picture of the kitty cat they posted that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and so it, really we have to be very cognizant of what people can see when they look at what we've got out there. Well, everything, you know, employers just have to be very careful. Not only can they not prohibit employees from doing certain things, talking about the company, they can't require that the employee disclose access or provide access to personal social media. They They don't want access or control over personal social media because then they might be held accountable for it. Mm-hmm. And then then there are certain rules about, you know, how employees post on the company public page. So there's a, it's a minefield for employers. And uh, a lot of them, you know, are very reticent about engaging in social media. A lot of them have questions about return on investment. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, which is, I think, is slowly the, the wheel is turning and they're beginning to see a greater return on it. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, as the as the field grows, but um, they have all kinds of questions and concerns about this. Right. Well, I saw one the other day that, uh, and I, and I might have sent this to you, and I, and I know I posted about it on Facebook, where um, somebody had tweeted, you know, so they were on Twitter, so they were tweeting bad things about a company. That company representative. Now it was it was it was not the company he worked for. It was he'd had bad customer service or something. The person who was in charge of that Twitter account for that business contacted that person's employer and said, hey, do you know your employee is saying this about our company? Engaging in trade defamation. Yes. And and then they, of course, everybody apologized and made nice. But I just thought that was that was something that was unique. I'd never seen that before. Well, you know, there's a there's a there's something called uh, sock puppetry and astroturfing out there, <laughs> and it has to do with the uh, an employee or an individual maintaining a false persona and going into your own company site and promoting it. Right. There was a famous case in New York about the lifestyle lift. Mm-hmm. Employees were going on as consumers mm-hmm. and saying what a great thing this lifestyle lift was, and they got busted in the state of New York and fined heavily. And then there's then there are uh, uh, situations where people employees are encouraged to go onto um, other people's sites using a false persona and criticizing being being unhappy consumers about the right. mm-hmm. about it. And that the uh, the uh, uh, trade commission will really get after employers who do that. And it's mm-hmm. hot, you can be fined, you can be sued, and fined. Right. 
You know, and, and we're almost to, to wrap up the hour, and obviously we, we definitely have to have you back on again because this issue is just, it's constantly changing is, you know, probably the, the biggest thing. And, and so it'd be great to have you back on again. I do want to have a, a little disclaimer because there are some industries where there are federal regulations about what somebody can and cannot do on social media. And some of those are medical, you know, HIPAA laws apply, Absolutely. financial services, things like that. So, you know, if, if you are in doubt, you know, err on the side of good judgment, you know, research it. Don't post and lose your job or lose a potential job because you thought it would be fun or, you know, I, I love the people. It's my First Amendment right. I can do whatever I want. Um, you know, research it. Make sure that... You know, you know what the consequences could be. You may still choose to, to take that, the steps, but know, you know, what's going to happen. Um, you know, so, you know, research those things. And in researching it, one of the best resources is, uh, uh, Mary's information. Um, so Mary, tell us how we can, uh, connect with you online and, you know, get that information from you. And then, you know, obviously people always, you know, there are, have your own personal lawyers, all those various things. But Absolutely. for the, the resources that Mary provides, how do we connect with you? Well, you can always find me at hrgazette, dot com. That's an online magazine. And if you look in the top right-hand corner, there's a picture of me and with a click to my LinkedIn bio. My LinkedIn bio will take you to direct access to me. You can send me a message through LinkedIn, or you can send me a message at my law firm, Ogletree Deacons. That's mary.right at ogletreedeacons.com. I'd be happy to hear from anyone who has comments or questions and perhaps some, a question that we might want to address at a later time. Well, and you know, your, your, uh, hrgazette.com is a fabulous resource. I'm just looking at some of the other, uh, posts that you've had, um, you know, that are like the top five myths about the Drug Free Workplace Act, you know, things that go far beyond just social media. So it's a great resource for an employer and really for an HR person. Um, well, but you. you know, it's, it's a really good site for, for people to go to to get information. But you know, if you've got questions about social media, pop them to Mary, pop them to me. Um, you know, I'll, I'll do the big disclaimer that, you know, I really have no training in this and I don't even play a lawyer on TV. So, um, you know, but, but do your research, make sure that you're not losing a job or a potential job just because you thought you were being funny and what you were posting was private. Absolutely. Great. Well, we are at the top of the hour. We could just go on all afternoon, but you know, at some point they're going to pull the plug and we'll just be talking to ourselves. So Mary, we will definitely have you back, especially when some, you know, maybe when some, some big things happen in the field of social media and law, um, you know, so that we can keep people informed about what they should and shouldn't do. Well, thank you for having me, Deb. It's been delightful. Great. And enjoy the rest of your day. Everybody, have a great time. Connect with Mary. Connect with me. Easy to find me, just debcareer.com, and there's all my links there. So have a great day. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down a road and back again. Your heart is... You're listening to Mile High Radio, milehighradio.com, on the World Wide Web, for your listening pleasure. Not quite seven years of age, Aaliyah had developed a fever that wouldn't go away, along with an arm pain that caused too many tears. 
A late night trip to the ER revealed the news that no parent wants to hear. Aaliyah had cancer, leukemia. Her two-year treatment plan turned into five and a half years of chemo, oral and IV meds, appointments, ER visits, days, weeks, and months in the hospital, infections, side effects, multiple surgeries, a bone marrow transplant, and much more. Even though Aaliyah never gave up her battle, God realized that it was an unfair fight. On July 9, 2010, the cancer died and Aaliyah went to heaven. We've all been touched by cancer one way or another, but cancer should never be allowed to touch our children. None of us can do everything, but all of us can do something. Together, we can fight to eradicate childhood cancers. Please support Aim to Cure in their effort to eliminate childhood cancer. Click on their logo on our website and give what you can. Aim to Cure has no overhead costs, so all money goes to research and public awareness programs. Please give today so that other children will have a tomorrow. Hi, Chris here from Yambana Gluten-Free Bakery. Do you get gas, bloating, cramping, or worse when you eat items with wheat, barley, or rye? You may be dealing with celiac, gluten intolerance, or a gluten allergy. Experts estimate that up to 40% of us need to avoid gluten. At Yambana, we bake the best-tasting gluten-free items hands down. For two years, I've been perfecting our recipes to be tasty and moist instead of dry and crumbly. We use nothing artificial, and we ELISA test our products to be sure they're truly gluten-free. So no matter if you're a super-sensitive celiac or someone who feels better staying away from gluten, stop tooting your gluten and visit our online store today. Go to yumbanashop.com. That's Y-U-M-B-A-N-A. S-H-O-P-P-E dot com. We ship worldwide, and if you live in the Castle Rock area of Colorado, delivery is free. Save 10% when you enter the coupon code MILEHIGHRADIO. YumbanaShop.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.